the thing that helped to remind me that I'm me, not Mary, the cancer patient. So like it let me just block out all that other stuff. Even when I could only run like a mile just because I was so tired and, and it was like a run. It's the thing that made me, it gave me the ability to be me. I completely lost the feeling that I was anything but just this patient. And, but when I ran, I remember that, oh yeah, you're more than that. So yeah, I think that that's, we get really in it with our training and everything feels like if it's not going good, like we can really get buried down in that stuff. But it's such a gift. It is the thing that allows you to kind of take a break from the rest of the world. If you're an avid runner and looking for help to understand the science, simplify the complicated and remove hurdles so that your next run is not only fun and fulfilling, but also fuels you with passion and purpose, then you're in the right place. Runner Click presents The Passionate Runner with your host, me, Whitney Hines. Hi, and welcome to episode 18 of Runner Clicks, the Passionate Runner podcast. I am your host, Whitney Hines. I'm a lifelong runner, a certified running coach, and founder of themotherrunners.com, a resource for moms who run. And today we get to chat with Mary Cates. Mary is a running coach, an ultra marathoner, and a cancer survivor. Some more about Mary. She's a former television producer turned running coach. She's been coaching for about a decade now after running in high school and college and then taking a break to enter the real world, but she never left the sport. She found her way into coaching after a couple of cancer battles that changed her perspective on life. She's been working with athletes since 2013. She is a USATF and RRCA certified running coach. She's also a kettlebell certified strength coach. Her personal specialty is mountain ultra trail running also known as MUT running, but she also coaches all levels, all terrains, all distances. She runs for backline running NYC and the long run in Knoxville. She's also a dog mother of four crazy fur kids. Mary and I chat about her decision to start running ultras after she was diagnosed with a rare brain cancer. We also talk about training tips for running as a master's athlete, because she and I are both now past the 40 mark. So she has some really great tips about that and other topics. We're going to get to our interview with Mary after this short message from our sponsor, Runner Click. If you are an avid runner and looking for help to understand the science, simplify the complicated and remove hurdles so that your next run is not only fun and fulfilling, but also fuels you with passion and purpose, then you are in the right place. Runner Click presents The Passionate Runner with your host, Whitney Hines. Hey, Mary, it's great to see you. Hey, you too, Whitney. I'm so glad we're able to do this today. I've been trying to do this for a little bit. We have, we have. So before we dive into it, what are you training for right now? I am training for the Yeti 100 on the Virginia Creeper Trail. It's a 100-mile rail-to-trail race. I did it last year, and I was second female, and I would really like to go back and try to win it. So I'm going to put that out there. I want to try to win the thing. So, yeah. That's awesome. That's a good race. so. So is it trails, or is it like a greenway? 
It is an old railroad bed. So if you've never been on the Virginia Creeper, it's mostly like gravel, some coal. It's not road and it's not like asphalt at all, but it's definitely track. So it's, I, I used to do big mountain ultras and I still love them, but right now I'm kind of in this phase of really wanting to do fast, fast hundreds, I guess, fast, whatever that means though. So, and I really loved it last year. So I'm going back to try to win. You have a need for speed. <laughs> I get, I mean, I totally get that when people ask me like, oh, are you going to do Boston? And I'm like, no, I just want fast marathons right now. I just want to see how fast I can go, which is why I signed up for CIM because I'm like, I just, I'm not going to mess around. Give me a good course. Let's do it. Yeah. <laughs> That's kind of the thing. I mean, I love those big, long, some of the hundreds I've done have taken like 27 hours, but I just want to get Oh my goodness. <laughs> That's what, yeah, I've paced my husband on a couple hundred milers and like the views are amazing. And I mean, I get why people do it, but I've also seen him in the middle of the night and he still has like 30 miles to go. And I don't, I just don't know how you guys do that. It's a whole. We're not completely okay. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yes. Maybe that's another podcast, like diving into the why and the mindset and how, Yeah. Let's earmark that for the future. We can do that. Because <laughs> I don't know, maybe one day I'll have an interest in doing ultras. And I've talked to so many people about ultras who are just so excited about it. But like, it has not been contagious to me. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know. I still have like fish to fry with road racing. And I think that's kind of why I'm doing this right now. Because I missed, I mean, I've got some other health reasons as to why I'm doing kind of the less technical stuff, but I, I just like the fast stuff. I still do. I mean, so yeah, this was a kind of a best of both worlds for me. So yeah. Awesome. Well, I'm excited. And that's in when October? September. So September. Okay. So it could still be hot. Last year it was perfect, but it's never going to be the same two years in a row. So yeah, it's going to be miserable. <laughs> No, no, no. It could be great. I mean, you're up in like the Blue Ridge Mountains, right? So could be cooler. Where does it start? I lived in Virginia before I moved to Tennessee. So starts on White Top Mountain, which just north of Damascus. And then the Creeper Trail runs all the way down into Damascus into Abingdon. Oh, okay. Yeah. So South Virginia. Yeah. More so. Okay. Well, let's go back to the beginning. And I know very little about how you got into running. So I would love to know a little bit about your running story, the alpha and omega of it all. Yeah, I um, I ran, I've been a runner most of my life. I ran in high school. I was also a basketball player. And then I ended up running through high school and then ran in college. And I went to Milligan College. When I got out of college, I kind of stopped for a little bit, started my real my real world, my real life. I mean, you and I kind of share a background. I, I was a television producer. And so I worked at several small, little regional TV stations and then ended up in Knoxville and got my master's degree. And while I was getting my master's degree at UT, I started working at a TV station here in Knoxville as well. But I started running for a local running team, so Runner's Market. And so I just decided to get back into it because I missed it whole life. And that kind of reignited my racing passion again. So it was nothing like major, but it kept that competitive spirit going. So I, I started doing marathons and then I was just doing that on the side while I was 
working and then I was diagnosed with cancer. I've been diagnosed with cancer twice and the second time I was diagnosed with cancer, it kind of changed my career outlook. I ended up leaving my job as a TV producer to go and focus on my treatment process. We weren't really sure I was going to get through it and went to Duke for that. So I was kind of, my life sort of got uprooted. And during that, I was kind of running, kind of stayed in my life as like jog, jog, uh, walk running during treatment. But I ended up surviving. I don't know. <laughs> Bury the lead. I survived. <laughs> which was a blessing, but it made me reflect on a lot of things. And so I didn't go back into television. I decided to start coaching because like I said, I'd been running my whole life and I got all the certifications, but also just kind of had that life experience of running for so many years. And I've just been coaching ever since. So I've been coaching for almost a decade now, which is fun. Oh, wow. I didn't realize it's been that long. Yeah. So that's my running story in kind of a fast nutshell. Yeah. I feel like you really did do a good job. You can tell you were in the news industry. Oh. <laughs> you really, really had an economy of words there. So we have a lot to get to, but how old were you when you were first diagnosed? And it was with brain cancer, right? Correct. I was 26. And so that was, I was very young and tough and went through treatment, came out the other side. I was told during that time that it's probably going to come back, but And I continued to work through it. I took a little bit of time off, but worked through it. And then just kind of got back with my life and and kept running. And I've done some of the, like the buddies, right? And if you're in Knoxville, they have a buddies race series and it's for cancer survivors and did that. That was fun. Raced with the runner's market team still. And then in 2011, it came back and it was very aggressive. I think we had missed it. And so it had just it changed things. It was very different. And so we decided to go look for other treatment options. And it was, I wasn't sure I was ever going to come out the other side of it, but I did. And it definitely changed everything about my life. I think that first time around when I came through it, I sort of thought I did it and I was tougher. I'm tough. Like I got through that. But then the second time it was so humbling that it just changed my perspective on everything. It helped. I think now looking back, it's made me a better coach because you have to learn how to give yourself grace during that stuff. I never thought I am just grateful to be here and every run is a gift. And I kind of think that that's sort of why I ended up coaching so that I can sort of pass that on to other people. So, yeah. Yeah, you are. It's very obvious that you hold on to that gratitude because of everything that you've been through. I mean, it's just like things that you post about on your Instagram and your comments. And like, I just, I have such admiration for that because it's like gratitude is, it's a battle, I think, every day to hold on to it and not get sucked into like just negativity and thinking, why me? And I just, I don't know, I admire you so much. And I'm in awe of you so much. Because I just think it would be so it just, I don't know, I think it would be easy to fall into that trap of why me and then kind of looking outward at other people and thinking, well, gosh, you have it, you think these are big problems, this is nothing compared to what I've been through. And you are not like that at all. I mean, you're just, you're always just like, life is hard. Let's be kind to one another. Let's give ourselves and other people grace. The world needs more of that, especially right now. 
I mean, I won't lie to you. I definitely struggled with feeling under the why me's, but I think in those moments, I looked around and there were people who were going through so much more difficult things than me and I, I survived. And so I guess I just, for me, running was the thing and I've said this before, but it's just true. It's the thing that helped to remind me that I'm me, not Mary, the cancer patient. So like it let me just block out all that other stuff, even when I could only run like a mile just because I was so tired and, and it was like a run. It's the thing that made me, it gave me the ability to be me. I completely lost the feeling that I was anything but just this patient and but when I ran, I remember that, oh, yeah, you're more than that. So, yeah, I think that that's we get really in it with our training and everything feels like if it's not going good, like we can really get buried down in that stuff. But it's such a gift. It is the thing that allows you to kind of take a break from the rest of the world. And so that's what it was for me. And I think that's the thing I just try to remind people like, this is your gift. Let's focus on that first and then we can go forward. So, yeah. Yeah, I can certainly see how that would make you a good coach to remind people of that. And that is an excellent point. Like no matter what you're going through, I think a lot of people hold on to running because it is a reminder of like, I am still me and there are other things going on in my life that are positive or I am still strong. I'm still powerful. I can still do these things. And was that a struggle for you though, when you're used to running hundred milers and at the time you could only run a mile? I mean, how did you stay grateful for that mile? Well, at the time I hadn't gone into the ultra running world yet. So that came after, but even I'd done many marathons. And so I didn't even let myself focus on what I couldn't do. I was just trying to focus on the very moment I was in and what I could do. And as long as I kind of stayed in that place in everything, not just with running, but with everything, I was able to, that's how I got through it. So just stay very much in the moment. I mean, I feel like that's a huge key to just happiness right there. Just staying in the moment and being grateful for what you can do in that moment. So Bet anybody listening to this is wondering, okay, well, she battled the super rare brain cancer, and then she goes on and starts running super challenging 100 milers. Like, how do those two go together? Like, your body was already going through so much, and now you throw, like, very stressful training demands onto it. Can you talk about how that happened? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I honestly decided that why not? Like that was really the thing. Like, I guess I had faced, I lived in this space for a very long time, even years after I got through it where I could not focus on the future very much. So it made training a very interesting place for me because I just was too afraid that if I planned long-term something bad was going to happen. And so I just always focused on the moment I was in. I wouldn't even register for races until like very close to the time just because I couldn't let myself like plan for that. But I did live in this very big space in my brain of like, why not? Like, I'm going to do this. Like, why not? What have I got to lose? And so that's really how I got into ultra running is like, well, I mean, why not now? 
because I don't know, we're not guaranteed anything. And I definitely knew that. And so that's really how I ended up getting into ultra running. So, so was ultra running always something you were curious about, but kind of scared to do? Or how did it find you? I don't really know. People have asked me, like, how did you end up doing it? And so many people fall into it from like reading all the books, like the born to run and all that. Do that. It just, I really couldn't even tell you. It just seemed absurd to me. And my first real ultra was a 50 miler in the upper peninsula in Michigan. So it was kind of nuts. I just really thought this just seems crazy to me. And so why not? (laughs) Trained for it, did it, learned a lot of lessons in that first race of what not to do, which is a really good teacher (laughs) when you do it wrong. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I mean, I think all runners have that in common. Yeah, yeah. The best teacher is a bad (laughs) for sure. Yes, totally. So how are you able to manage, because you have to get scans every so often, like pretty, actually pretty often, right? And so how do you manage, like the stress of training, is that something that you have to keep within a certain, like underneath a certain threshold or else it could negatively impact your health? How do those interplay? Actually, what's been the most interesting thing for me is just like, there's just been this cascade of side effects, things that have happened since because it takes a toll on your health. And so I've got a lot of like ancillary health issues. And that's actually been the bigger issue. And those things do affect my training and they do affect how hard I do things. I have to see, I have sort of a blood disorder. I have thyroid problems. I currently actually have a benign tumor right now. I've had nine brain tumors since I was nine years old, which is kind of wild. That's a part of the story that's interesting. I got my first brain tumor when I was a little kid. Um, it was benign. And I the brain tumor I have right now is benign, but it's something that is affect. Like I mentioned early in the podcast that the reason I'm not running on very technical trails right now is because this brain tumor pushes on my, it's on my pituitary gland, but it pushes on my optic nerves. And so it kind of affects my balance and my equilibrium. And so I've had lots of field tests to make sure and, and I don't, they're not great. So I'm staying off of really technical trails. So all of those things, they really do affect my training. So I suggest like, I mean, I've been running on those kinds of easier trails, the less technical stuff and focusing on speed and I'll be 42 and very soon and I don't want to lose speed. So instead of like doing these big mountain races now, I'm trying to just make sure I can hang on to that because I can still do that safely. Going out on big mountain trails and the risk of falling, it's just, I don't want to do that. So I've just shifted gears, I guess, just regrouped. That's actually a great way to shift gears into adjusting. I mean, all of us have to adjust for certain things, whether it's like what's going on in our life or um, age. So I know you and I are of similar ages. You were born in August? I am. Okay, yeah. So I think almost exactly one year older than me. But when you turn 40, things change. But it's not all downhill. I know you were leaving. Do you want to tell the story? You posted something about leaving the track after a workout and some ladies had a a snarky comment to you that just... Yeah. They had been walking on the track and they walked out before I did. And the only reason we ended up talking is because they were waiting on a friend to go to the baseball field right beside. And I was helping them parallel park. They were waiting on their friend and they were trying to help her parallel park. And I was doing them a favor. And the woman said to me, 
What was the point of that? I mean, yeah, those comments, like when I turned 40 and I just happened to get injured and people just kept telling me that it was because I had turned 40. I'm like, no, it was because I was taking risks. <laughs> like Injuries happen. So, okay. I would love to talk about how your training has changed since you've become officially a master's athlete. <laughs> for me, I think we talked about this. Like one of the biggest things for me, I tell this to everybody. It doesn't even matter if you're 40 or not. This is a crucial rule, but it's one of those things you can't hide behind when you turn 40 is running your easy runs really easy. I was just having this conversation today with someone while I was out and we stopped and we were talking and like, if you're younger, you can get away with it. Now there's really no benefit for running your easy runs too hard. There's not a benefit, but you can get away with it. But when you're 40 and over, like, you can't hide from it and you end up just digging this hole and it's so hard to get out of. And so for me, that's the biggest thing is just making sure my easy runs are actually easy runs. That's a huge thing for me, for sure. Yeah. That's something that I have definitely started doing this time around now that I'm back. Like I think before I would be a little... I don't know, like self-conscious that people would see my runs on Strava and be like, whoa, Whitney's really slowing down, which is so stupid. Now I'm like, this is what running smart looks like, even if I wasn't 40, but so many people run too fast. And that, like you said, there's no like physiological benefit to doing that. If anything, it's going to set you back, but then you will be staring down the barrel of injury in the future, most likely. Yeah. And even so, like, I kind of think it's funny, like some of my Strava runs, I mean, they are so slow and I just think it's funny <laughs> and awesome racing and my pace is dramatically slower than anything I would ever race. To me, I think that's kind of funny. So, and I just embrace it. So. Yeah. And if you look at the pros a lot, I mean, some of Mary Seidel's or Seidel's runs are like really slow. I mean, compared to what she obviously can run. I don't even look at my watch really anymore. And I just started doing workouts and I'm not even looking at my watch for workouts right now. Like I'm just going just, okay, I know this is supposed to be my tempo pace, my threshold pace, my VO2 max, and just going by that because I just don't like the negative feedback at all. <laughs> and I just realized it gives me anxiety looking at my watch and be like, oh man, I wanted to go faster, especially in the summer when you're dealing with heat and humidity. Yeah. And that's a big thing. That's what I was going to say. Right now is the perfect time to do that. And we get such an adaptation just from being out in the heat, but you definitely don't need the stress of feeling slow. Just dial it back and enjoy it. So. Yeah. Just enjoy it. I love that. Okay. What else are you focusing on? I still do intensity, but I think that's a big thing that a lot of folks, when they get older, they think that we can't run, we can't do speed work. And that's just a myth to me. Unless you're actually injured and someone says, you know, doing intensity in your training is going to hurt you. I think it's so crucial because it keeps that running stride efficient doing speed work. Now that can look, however, it can look in very different for many different people. It can hill be strides. Exactly. It can be hill strides. It doesn't have to be going to the track, but 
just adding intensity into that work is so important. It's so beneficial. I do think that as we get older, we may have to take some of those days out. I'm currently doing a couple days a week of intensity and then some weeks are total recovery weeks, but that's where I'm at right now. I could probably done a little bit more a few years ago, but that's my limit. And for some people, one day of intensity is all they need and you just have to learn your body. But I think avoiding it altogether when you get older is a mistake. And so I think keeping it in is really important. It keeps you sharp and it keeps your technique good. And I think that's how we keep from getting injured is just making sure we're still running well. Yeah. I think a lot of people, they don't realize that you're like the brain muscle brain nerve connection just becomes very inefficient. Like your body forgets how to run fast. And so by easing in with surges or strides or hill strides are great because they have less of a strain on your body are a great way to introduce it and serve as a bridge to faster running. Should you want to do intervals? Cause if you just run slow, like in zone one, zone two all the time, like you may actually potentially get slower. And that's a big thing in the ultra running community. There's folks who just believe you don't need to do anything fast. We're not ever going fast. And I mean, sure, but your efficiency as a runner will break down. Love it. To me, it's how knock on wood, I don't get injured. It's not appropriate in certain parts of the season, but in your off season and when you're kind of building back, I just think there's a true benefit to lifting heavier weights. As long as you have someone to show you how to do it, or if you've been lifting weights for a while, I think adding that in, like I said, it needs to fit into your training schedule appropriately. As you're leading into like a month out from a race, that's not appropriate. But early in the season for you, I think it's a really good, it's a good thing to help people for injury prevention, but also just longevity in our sport. So what does a strength training session look like for you? I typically do full body strength training both days because I do two days a week. And so it'll look like, you know, I'll do hamstrings. So basically deadlifts, single leg deadlifts, reverse lunges. Those are going to be my like lower body. That's like one day and I'll do like overhead press, lots of single arm carries, lots of things to kind of like unilateral work to help me stay balanced in my upper body because I carry a pack when I'm out there on for a very long time and or a bottle and that can really shift on one side or the other. So I try to focus on balancing my upper body too. So a lot of single lateral work. And then the other day I'll do back squats or Bulgarian split squats when I'm working on single leg work, front lunges, like overhead lunges. And then I do, I call it working on my glamour muscles, <laughs> bicep curls, tricep, because that upper body, the swing of your arms, that's important. So you need to be strong. So, and then core work both days. That's kind of an average strength week for me. So I've always wondered, because you're supposed to lift heavy, like 85% of your one rep max or something. Is that what you do? Or like, are you completely fatigued when you're done lifting? Or is it hard, but you're not, your muscles aren't shaking? It depends on where I'm at in a training block. So in that off season for me, so I race mostly in the fall. And so in that off season, which is late fall into early part of the new year, I do lift pretty heavy. And I spend that time trying to find my maxes, which is fun. But I don't race a lot. So my season and my lifting schedule is going to look very different than 
someone else. And so, yeah, I do lift heavy and I try to focus on truly finding my max safely, adapt my training down to more unilateral stuff. As I get further into my training season, the actual percentage of weight doesn't really matter. I truly try to listen to my body. So if you've ever done a Bulgarian split squat, those are challenging. And I try to listen to my body when I do that. I also try to stack my strength training days on my higher intensity days. So yeah, I do because then your recovery days are true recovery days. Worry about I was going to ask you if that's what you do. Yeah, right. Concentrate that stress, which is like another thing that's kind of important when you get older to make sure you keep your recovery days. And granted, like I am not saying that either one of us are old. I'm just saying, you know, we are officially masters runners, which I'm still just like, how in the world did that happen? <laughs> Seriously, it's like I kind of had a had a moment when I turned 40. I was like, I remember when my parents turned 40. How is this happening? What about your diet? Are you eating more protein now? Do you focus on that or are you just kind of whatever you're hungry for you eat? I eat a lot of food. And I think that's probably also again, knock on wood. I think it is one of the reasons I stay relatively healthy. I do eat a lot of protein. I eat probably more than most runners, but for me, it works. It definitely keeps me from getting super sore, but I don't, I'm not of the camp of limiting too many things. I have seen the side of under eating. When I was younger, I definitely battled that myself. And I just can't, I'm just not going back there ever again. Years to kind of battle through that. And it's funny, I watch, there's a lot of nutrition experts out there who are trying to, I've seen some of my own athletes. Okay, so you were saying, you were talking about the deficit, like that some nutritionists are telling athletes to go into a deficit, I guess like depletion runs or... No, no, no. Just like if an athlete says, I need, I want to, you know, lose some weight during this training cycle. And it's a conversation that I will have with them. Like, here's the thing. This is not the time to try to focus on losing weight. If you want to lose weight, that's a thing we can do after a race or after a training block. But to try to go into a deficit while you're training hard, it's just a recipe to get hurt. And so for me, I think there is a time and a place for that, but it's not when you're training for say a marathon, because to me that focus should be your food is fuel for that training block. And so I think for folks who work as nutritionists, now dietitians are different, but there seems to be this pop-up of these food gurus that are helping athletes. And I just think if you're not an endurance athlete and you don't understand the things that happen to an endurance athlete's bodies or, you know, and the things that they need during a training cycle, you really have no business working with runners. So, yeah. Oh, yeah, totally. A runner should not be working with a nutritionist that does not understand endurance sports. Yeah, we had marathon nutritionist Christy Bauman on and Amy Stevens, who both work with endurance runners, elite runners, and they and a bunch of other people, I just love how they're really pushing to eat, to fuel your runs. And like, I've been way better about it this time around. And I just noticed that my stamina is so much better. My recovery is so much better. I think you don't realize the difference that it makes when you actually give your body the fuel that it needs. 
the big difference. And like I said, I think it's one of the reasons that I've managed to stay relatively healthy during my running career is that I've just, I made a decision because I went the other way. I just made a decision. I was never going back there. And so I just try to, it's mostly my women who struggle, my women athletes, they struggle with it. It pays off in their training. So yeah, I mean, because if you're skimping calories and you get hurt and then you can't run, it's like a self-fulfilling prophecy. <laughs> Last thing on this topic of running as a master's and beyond, do you need to change your expectations when you're racing or like just in your training block Do you, as far as being like running is built on patience, like you can't force fitness, but when you're getting older, do the adaptations happen at a slower rate? You need to give yourself some more grace. I think they do happen at a slower rate, but they still happen. And I think races are, to me, that's like the celebration of the life that you've had of running, especially if you've been doing it as long as we've been doing it. And so to me, I think race day is really a different thing. Anything can happen on race day. And as long as you've done the work, I think that's where your training age, I like to use that word. (laughs) Your training age shows up on race day, right? So you have all the experience of the bad races we talked about or all the good races. And so if you're patient, I think you learn how to race really well. If you've been doing this for a long time, you know how to be patient. You don't have the ability to go out, go off when the gun goes off with everything you have because we don't have that ability to push that way anymore. And some people do, but the majority of us don't. But what we do have is patience and we have grit. And I love that because one of my favorite things about racing at my age is I will watch, like I'm very observant and I'll watch all of the folks go off too hard and then we get to reel them back in. And one of my favorite things is just, I'm a very strong closer in a race and you just get to look at all the young folks who just blew it, you know? Oh, totally. Totally. I made a comment in a previous podcast about that. And I felt bad after I was like, Oh, I sound really mean to all those other racers. But like, it's so true, because you see them those young guns going out way too fast. And you're just like, that's a mistake, you're gonna be really regretting that move. Don't feel bad about it. They'll back and they'll get to say the same things in about 10 to 15 years. I mean, we all go through it. And so, but it's just now we have the advantage of living through it. And I just, it's sad, but we all kind of face those big mistakes. But at our age, I think it is, it's a lesson that will teach us how to race really smart. And I just call it gritty. I think when we get our age, we just race, we we race gritty. Like we know how to hold on at the end. And I think that's our strength. And I'm a negative splitter when it comes to racing anyway. Wow, but you are? Yeah, I really try to because I don't do well when I go out too hard. I just don't. It's too much pressure for me. But as I've gotten older, like it's definitely become very apparent to me. That's how I race. And I love to close. Like I said, I enjoy closing a race fast because then you kind of get to, you get, like I said, you get to look at everybody else who you think, Sorry. (laughs) You got a little over your skis there, people. I love that. Well, I might have to learn some more about how you're able to negative split. Yeah. So I think we might need to have another podcast to just talk about how to negative split a race because to me, that's like a unicorn. (laughs) Like It's mythical. Can it be done? I mean, I know people do it, but it's definitely tricky to do. 
you know, I've often been told that I probably don't go out fast enough, but I just know the pressure and the anxiety I feel if I do, that I don't know that I would ever finish. It wouldn't result in better results for me if I went out faster. So yeah, negative splitting for me is the best way for me to race for sure. So yeah. And like, that's another great point, just running with age and experience behind you is that you learn yourself and your body and what you can do and what works best for you. And so like for some people going out, not too fast, but going out fast may like give them the momentum. But for you, you know that that's just going to make me anxious and maybe worried that I did go out too fast or think that you need to negative split from there. So yeah, just like learning what your racing style is or running style over time is also helpful to people like us. Yeah. So I love to close this podcast with the question of why you're running, why you're passionate about running and what keeps you passionate about running. And I really am interested in your answer because I just like marvel all that you've done in the face of fear. Because again, like I think a lot of people would be in your position with health concerns and just be afraid to push their limits. So I would love to know like how you're able to look in the face of fear and do everything that you're doing. I mean, honestly, my answer is very simple as to why I'm still passionate about running. It's just because I can. I've faced the ability or thought that my ability was going to go away. And I kind of made a promise that as long as I can still do this, I'm going to. And so my passion for it for myself is because I can, but I also have a very big passion to give that to other people because there's nothing more powerful than watching somebody tell you a goal that they have. They're not really sure they can do it themselves, but when I get to watch them achieve that goal and seeing them do this thing that they didn't know that they could do, that's a huge gift to me. So it's a gift to me when they accomplish their goals. So I do it because I can, and there may be a day when I can't, but allowing someone else to do it too is, that's my new passion in running, I guess. So, yeah. Oh, I love that. And so do you only coach ultra runners or you do all distances? No, I coach all distances and I'd say my split is 60, 40 women to men as well. But yeah, I coach folks who are training for their first 5k. I've got a lot of expectant mamas right now, which is kind of, Oh, you do fun. I do. It's really fun. Got a lot of triathletes. So Ironman athletes that I coach, but yeah, lots of ultra runners. So I coach folks who are doing their first 5k and folks who are doing multi-day 200 mile FKT attempts in the back country. So, and I love it and they're all different and it's a fun adventure for sure. Yeah. 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 So you have your own adventure and then you get to kind of go along for the ride on their adventures too. That's so awesome. Yeah. 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 So where can people learn more about you and your coaching? You can find me on my website. It's just unrunning, U-N-R-U-N-N-I-N-G, unrunning.com. And that's basically the story behind that is it's just running undone because we complicate so much about running. Oh, I love that. I didn't know that that was the story behind that. I love that. We do totally overcomplicate it. And that just steals the joy from something that should be really simple. Thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me and share your story. And I loved learning more about you. Yeah, no, I really, really appreciate it. It's been so fun. So thank you so much for asking. Awesome. Well, hopefully maybe I'll see you on the roads one day. 
Yeah, I think we're due a good run together. So that would be awesome. All right. Thanks, Mary. All right. Thank you, Whitney. Bye. Bye. Thank you, Mary. And thank you all for listening to The Passionate Runner. You can find full show notes for each episode, including a summary, key takeaways, quotes, and the resources mentioned at runnerclick.com slash podcast. Be sure to follow and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you're enjoying the content and getting value from the episodes, please leave a rating and review at ratethispodcast.com slash runner. We'll be sure to read them out on future episodes. Talk to you next time. Thank you.